Good evening, church. Nothing like the great sound of fellowship. <laughs> Hearing you all conversating, that is good. Um, let's go ahead and, and go to God in prayer. We're thankful to those who are online and those who are here present tonight. Let's pray, please. Blessed Heavenly Father, we do praise your holy divine name and thank you. We thank you for your amazing gift of love and for your kindness. We thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to assemble, to have this study, to learn more about your word, to be reminded of things that we already know, to just speak of your name, Lord God. We're so thankful. We know that we always need to think of you, and we're thankful for this opportunity. Please open our minds to understand your word with more depth and clarity. Please guide us into all truth in our studies. Help us remember Jesus, and we thank you for him and for the amazing sacrifice he made in our behalf. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and thank thee for be thy will. Amen. Psalm 23, falling in love with Jesus. It's just, you know, really what we're talking about is it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And that's what I'm just trying to remind us of through this uh, lesson series, it's all about Jesus and to help encourage you and to stimulate your mind, uh, to strengthen you in your love for Jesus. So I want to just talk just a, a little bit more. We're still on the, uh, I am the good shepherd. And I want to maybe close that out tonight. Let's start in verse 1, Psalm 23. We'll read through the whole chapter and then we'll go back. I just want to highlight two verses from this text. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I mentioned this last week, and I want to share again this week. Sheep refuse to lie down if the conditions aren't aren't right. Uh, so. If there's fear, again, sheep are a lot like us, like humans, and it's pretty, pretty amazing. But they have to be free from all fear. If there's fear, the sheep will not lie down. They're just very skittish and um, untrusting in that way. If, if there are problems between sheep, you know, right? You're just like, what? Yeah, if sheep are having problems amongst each other. Uh, they refuse to lie down. They will not lie down. They're being tormented by insects. So trouble uh, is in their way. And they will not lay down if they're in need of finding food. So the shepherd has to ensure that there's peace in the flock, that the flock is free of fear, that the flock is free of, of pest or insects, trouble, and make sure they're fed. 
Kind of like the church, huh? It's the same thing. And so Jesus says, I am not just a shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And and so I want to look at verse 23. Verse 3, he says, He restores my soul and He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Restoration. God continually restores our soul. We may call tonight rejuvenation. God, we're being rejuvenated, if you will, in our spirit, reminded of things that we already know. David loved God, and God loved David. But here's what we know. We know that at times, uh, we, like David, are going to be cast down. We're not always up. We're not always upbeat. We're not always... We want to be positive at all times, but we're not always positive. Life isn't always, um, things don't always turn out the way that we hoped uh, it, it would. Sometimes we feel cast down. Sometimes we feel a little disappointed. Sometimes we feel a little depressed. Maybe not overwhelmingly, but just, just a little saddened. Sometimes it's overwhelming. It's huge. It's life. And what does the good shepherd do for the sheep when the sheep find themselves downcast? The Bible says in verse 3, He restores our souls. That's what God does for His people. He restores us. How often does God restore us? More often than we think. Because God doesn't wait until we're downcast to restore us. God restores us in a preventative way to keep us from being downcast. Right? The one thing about uh, the human mind is the conscience. You know, when your when your conscience condemns you, or when when there's trouble brewing, it's hard to function as. Uh, a, ch- a child of God, a law-abiding citizen, etc., etc. There is so much. When was the last time you watched the news? I call it depression television. You call it whatever you want. But you watch that stuff. And here's what they know. If if there were a newscast or program filled with all positives, no one watch it. People wouldn't watch it. You know, just, just, people don't care about that stuff. We're drawn, we're drawn for some reason to, to excitement or disaster, you know, trouble, difficulty for, for whatever, whatever reason. But, but here's what God knows that He knows life happens, right? So things come into our lives that, that weaken us mentally, emotionally, Right, spiritually, and we just need help. So God is continually restoring our soul. David tasted defeat, right? He he was frustrated. We know he was frustrated. You just read First Samuel, Second Samuel, the life of David, and you just see that he was just at times very flustered and very frustrated, but he trusted in God. There were times he was angry at God. Remember. Uzziah or Uzzah, 
angry at God because how could God or why did God? Because he didn't have the answers. There are times in David's life that he fell into temptation, right? And and then along with that, he dealt with the uh, the being acquainted, if you will, with bitterness, you know, the bitterness of Absalom, right? I mean that situation. His daughter Dana was raped. I mean the bitterness, just life in general, people, his own his own army. He'd say, you know, you all are. I'm not your kind of people. I'm not quite like you. They were ruthless people, right? And he struggled with that. So when he writes this psalm and he says God restores him, it's because God is the only one who knew and understood what David was feeling. And God was the only one that could make David find himself in a place of life where he would feel free from fear, free from this frustration in his life, rid his mind of all the problems that he was going through, ensure that he was fed and kept so that he could find rest for his soul. Only God could do that for David. In that human moment of suffering, um, hopelessness, without strength in himself, fleeing from Saul. I mean, that was tough. But all the while, David continued to trust in God. And he pins this verse, verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me, Thy rod and thy staff, they do comfort me. So, here's the question that I want to pose. When you think of the valley of death, what does that mean to you? Not that we're trying to interpret the scripture, because we understand, you read, and we can add a bunch of scripture to this, to understand what David meant by the valley of death. But what David meant by the valley of death, or, should I say, what David went through in his valley of death isn't the same as perhaps our valleys of death. What does that mean to you in your life through your hardships to be in that valley? Have you ever been in that valley? Um, if there are hands, uh, JJ has a microphone. He'll walk around. I'll start. And then if you would like to comment on that. The valley is just that place that you don't want to be. <laughs> you don't always know how you got there. You didn't always see yourself approaching it. You were just there. And 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 when you're there, you have time to think, contemplate. And you ask questions like, how in the world did I get into this situation or into this valley? And how in the world am I going to get out? And sometimes in the valley, because we are inquisitive people, Instead of going straight to God, we try to solve it ourselves. And that's our first problem. (laughs) That's our first mistake. And then we realize, wait a minute, I don't know if I prayed about this yet. Uh, And then, you know, life continues to happen. The valley can be sickness. It could be 
financial, it can be marital, it can be, I mean, whatever you name it, the valley is a tough place to be. And here's a man after God's own heart, and he opens up, and he's honest, and he says, I have been in that valley. And that valley to David was a valley of death, right? Not that he died in the valley, but the struggle in the valley was so tough that only God could get him through it. Are there any comments on the valley? Any thoughts? Yes. He's coming right now. Oh, good one. She oh. she said the pandemic in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was very devastating. My job I was working at and the, the things I had to go through with individuals I worked with and everything. And and then hearing all these deaths on, you know, TV, like you said, and, 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 and just the isolation and just being away from other people. Your whole life was completely changed. For mm-hmm. me, it was. Mm-hmm. And um, hearing the people you love, ones and friend, friends and family and whatever, and like uh, with being positive, are they going to make it through it or they're going to die? It was really hard for me. It was mm-hmm. very hard for me. I did a lot of praying, more so than I ever have. So, yeah, that was a difficult. I'm doing way much better, but yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Amen, sister. You know, and that's a very um, that's a powerful. Uh, point you bring out this is this this pandemic it is it is such a it is not just a physical situation it is a situation of division isn't it i mean the church i'll tell you the church the church is struggling in this valley because somehow let me just say i'm going to try not to be offensive but somehow even intelligent people have been duped into believing that it's a it's it is a political illness. I have never in my life found medically speaking of 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 anything medically how it could be political. And now the church has listened to that the rhetoric, all the conversation about it, and now it's a Democrat or Republican thing or it's it's a sickness. It's not right. It's a virus. It, it has nothing to do with, you know, it has nothing to do with, with that. But that's Satan's way of bringing us back to the world of division, right? That's the silliest argument. I don't mean to be offensive, but that is the silliest argument I've ever heard. That, that the virus is a Democrat virus or Republican virus or a liberal or you liberals are now, you know, who's wearing masks and who isn't, who, why are you wearing, you know, taking away our freedom? It is absolutely amazing. You're taking away my freedom. <laughs> like, we're just trying to keep being sick. Right? I mean, are they taking away our freedoms when they say wash your hands too? It's amazing how low we've gone, how low we've gone. Uh, when you study history about other pandemics, we fall right back into the history of others where the, the virus that they faced, the pandemic, it drove them crazy too. And it's doing this. We have not learned. And it's driving us crazy. And we've got to learn how not to allow Satan to intervene in our lives and cause the church to divide 
over something that we have no control over, right? And just, um, I loved it in the very beginning when we took the stance, and I thank all of you um, for taking the stance with us, and that is, we're not wearing a mask to protect self. You're wearing the mask so you don't sneeze on your neighbor, right? It was to protect the other person. It's our way of washing feet. We're washing each other's feet. That's why it shouldn't even be a big issue is we're wearing the masks for other people, not for ourselves. People say, well, I don't want to wear the mask because, and then they give their reasons, but it's amazing when it goes into a political reason. I'm amazed at that. This virus has definitely taken us low into the valley. Thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate it, sister. Over, uh, brother, over here. Sir, I was, uh, it's, it's funny you're speaking on this day. I was actually reading Psalms uh, 8 through 15 uh, this morning. And uh, when you talked about David's different battle, he did. David was, David was faced with death and many other things. And that's why he writes in Psalms the way he writes in Psalms. And in verse 3, he starts out saying this. I just thought it was powerful. He says, when my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on thrones giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out the, their names forevermore. The enemy came to the end of everlasting ruins. The cities you rotted out, the very memory of them has perished. David was going through a lot in fighting against his enemy. You'll find out in Psalms, he talked a lot about how he, he couldn't have done it without God and how God looked out after him. But when we look in today, we don't, we're not fighting those kind of battles. Our battles are different. Sometimes our enemies, or most of our enemies probably are within us. We're fighting our own battles of, of staying right, being right by God, standing before man and standing just before God. You'll hear David a lot of times mention, judge me by my righteousness, God. And many of us today would be scared to say that because, because we know that that battle we're having within us, we are not righteous mm-hmm. and we're fighting against that. But David was so convinced with, in his, in his relationship with God. He had faced the lion. He had faced a bear. All these things had prepared him. And I think if we think back and think of the fact that God got us to where we are, mm-hmm. we would realize that he is, he did those things to strengthen us. It is our own fault that we are weak. Right. But if we look at our lives like David looked at his life, he had those experiences to look back on and never doubt and question God. And I mm-hmm. think if uh, those, our battles can be a number of things, you know, it, 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 it can be whatever it is you're dealing with in your life. Mm-hmm. Though I think the point here that you're making is the good shepherd has always been there, has always brought us through it. Mm-hmm. If we only recognize that, we'll realize how wonderful and great God truly is. Amen. Amen. That's, you know, and that's exactly what we're talking about tonight, is that it doesn't matter where we are, the good shepherd is taking care of us. Right. And, and so um, uh, and I want to sum up what you just now said by saying we win. <laughs> and that's the point. Right. Is that uh, so coming back to this idea of the pandemic that, yeah, there is something in it for us. If we if we could learn as God's people um, to step away from the bickering and the fighting and all that stuff and um, and just look to Jesus and say, you know, God, God, God's got this right. We're going to be OK. Uh, I think we'll we'll see more of the open door that he has in front of us to do his work. And, and so we win, though. We can't lose this, can we? We can't lose this. Uh, yes. I was thinking in your first comment, um, and I almost was going to say this because I think you, did, you said it well, but 
sometimes that valley that we're in, we're there because God isn't there with us, per se, or God is everywhere, but we have not allowed him to be there with us because mm-hmm. we're trying to do it on our own. Mm-hmm. And so then when we go through that, that process of eventually realizing, I didn't go to God on this, now we're having to climb ourselves, you know, out of that valley to go and find him because he's still in the same place. Mm-hmm. But now we have to go search for him, go find him, and get back right with him. Amen. And sometimes that can be a struggle because we have maybe some um, – external barriers that stop us from or prevent us or slows us down from getting there and but a lot of times it's those internal struggles that we have one of them being well god loves me but i know he couldn't forgive me or help me in this because well i put myself here mm-hmm. and we know from reading his word that is not true over and over and over again um in dealing with the Israelites, if they just gave themselves back to him, he would pull them out of, you know, the mire. Hmm. He would send a prophet or some type of savior their way to help them. But as soon as they would turn back to Satan or turn back to those idols or whatever they had, God will allow them to do that. And they would suffer the consequences. It's the same today. Um, you were talking about homosexuality and all those other sins that go along with it on Sunday. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, I was, I mentioned to you at work, they're, they're talking about that a lot. And I, I was thinking, God, God will allow them to do that. God will allow them to love who they want to love. Uh, cause he's given us all, uh, you know, um, free will. That don't make it right. That doesn't mean that God is happy about it. And in the end, um, they don't win. You know, people are wanting to do all types of wrong, but they don't want to call it wrong. They don't want to call sin, sin. And God will allow them to do that. If they're choosing to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the day of judgment, there will be no second chance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we are in the valley, again, because we haven't brought God with us. And sometimes we don't even recognize we're in that valley because we are choosing to be there ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. The internal conflict you mentioned, and that's, you know, that's the battle where, that's where the real battle is. You know, um, people can push you far, but they can't push you where you don't want to go. Um, the internal struggle, the internal battle of life uh, is, uh, this is what we're talking about with the sheep, that if the sheep feel fear, it doesn't mean there's a wolf out there. It just means they sometimes imagine, you know how we do, right? Sometimes we, 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 um, we think something is, is, is real when it's not real, right? Fear, false evidence that appears real. Um, if, if something's bothering us, it, it, it could be my own internal issue, right? I, here's what I am not willing to do. And I'm talking like, if you will, as a human, I'm not willing to step back and look at myself. I'd rather look at you. Isn't it easier to do that? Just say, you, 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 because of you, because of you. You know, you ever heard a preacher say, well, I'm quitting because of you. Right? <laughs> I don't want to preach anymore because of you. Instead, I'm going to sit in the audience and I'm going to be you. I'm going to throw stuff at the preacher. You know, well, okay. In your life, have you found that 
there are struggles in your life, but have you, have you, have you stopped to take an inventory of yourself? <laughs> you ever thought, you know, I don't know why I don't have any friends. Maybe it's you. <laughs> right? No, that can't be it. <laughs> right? The internal battle. I don't know why God's doing this to me. Well, maybe you keep digging a ditch. Get out of the ditch and, you know, I don't know why, you know, as you keep using the shovel, stop using the shovel. <laughs> Get ourselves into trouble. But what's great about the Good Shepherd is, even though I'm in the valley because I dug my own ditch, the shepherd's still there to pull me out. Right? Isn't that beautiful? The shepherd is still there to pull me out. And as many times as Israel got into trouble, God dug him out every time. Right? All it took was they repent, say, oh, we messed up, Lord, and he'd pull them out. You read the book of Judges, it's the most accurate picture of human nature that you'll ever read. And it's, it's the most pitiful. But it's the greatest book in the Bible in the sense of God showing, demonstrating his love for a people who don't love him back. Right? And they don't love him back until he can do something for them. And then they say, all right, let's try God. Then they try God. Everything works out great. And they go, hey, pretty good. Look at how great we are. Look at what we did. Like Nebuchadnezzar, they go on the, on the rooftop. And look at how great we are. And then trouble comes, right? The beauty of the good shepherd is, even though we don't have it right all the time, God is still there to dig us out, right? And and so David says, I was in this in this valley of death. And while in this valley, back to verse 3, God not only lifted me out of the pit, but God restored my soul. Psalm 23, verse 3. He restored me. He, 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 he lifted me out. You know, now think about restoration. You got an old car, right? An old car. And, and you're going to restore it. And it's rusted. And it's in bad shape. Right? I mean, it doesn't just have engine work. It, it's an old car. It needs a lot of work. But when you restore it, wow, right? And we look at those, we call them vintage cars now, right? You look at those cars driving down the street and you go, wow, that's a nice car. That's a restored car. And that's what God does for His people. He restores us, right? He takes the time as the, the potter to mold and remold and reshape the clay. And he keeps on working on us. And though we find ourselves uh, in trouble, he keeps helping us. I want to talk about this um, this sheep. It's a it's called a cast. The word is cast. It is an English uh shepherd's term for sheep that have turned over on their backs and they're literally on their backs. And their, and their legs are dangling in the air. And I, I had never known anything about cast. Again, I told you I read up and studied about sheep. And I, it was kind of a funny chapter in a way. And then I really started internalizing it and saying, this is pretty messed up. Because the first thing I thought was, well, that's a pretty dumb sheep. I never, never heard of a sheep, you know, a turtle gets stuck on his back, you know, when his legs are flangling and you go, wow. And you go, okay, I can see that. But how in the world, and the way the, the author describes it is they just eat 
too much. I'm going, okay, I get that one. <laughs> and then they roll over on their backs asleep. And then they're stuck. They roll over into some indention, if you will, in the ground or, or something of that sort. And they literally cannot get up. They're cast sheep. And the good shepherd or the shepherd, excuse me, that I'm reading about, uh, would describe the cast sheep. So throughout the day, as the shepherd watched over the sheep, continually the shepherd did a few things. One, he looked into the sky. And he said he did that because he always searched for buzzards. Because buzzards would tell him that he has a cast sheep. And then he would count his sheep to determine whether that cast sheep were his or someone else's. And when he found that he was missing a sheep, he knew it was his cast sheep. He would secure the 99, right, and go get that one. And sure enough, uh, he would get close to this, this cast sheep lying on his back. And keep in mind how vulnerable the cast sheep is. Um, you know, easy prey for coyote and wolves and, you know, whatever type of predator is in the area because the sheep literally cannot move. You know how you are, or maybe you're sitting or, or whatever, your leg falls asleep? Well, that's what happens, right? They they lose the blood flow in their legs and they just don't work any longer. So the shepherd comes up, he gets to the cash sheep, you know, rubs the limbs down, uh, tries to get some blood flowing again. Stands the sheep up, and the, you know the sheep very wobbly, and has a very difficult time because his legs are falling asleep. So what does he do? Picks it up, puts it on his shoulders, and carries it home. We see that image a lot, right? Shepherd having the sheep. Well, that's one of the reasons he has that sheep that way, uh, that a sheep's injured and cannot walk, or the sheep was at some point uh, a cast sheep, and it it can't carry itself or walk on its own two legs or four legs right sorry <laughs> any sheep that has two legs trouble <laughs> has Jesus ever had to carry you right and then I think about me yeah when I was pretty pitiful right I was I was too smart my mother would say that you're too smart for your own britches right I was too smart for myself got myself into trouble Luke chapter um, 15. Luke 15. And the way the author describes the sheep is interesting. He says the sheep is just uh, on its back. His legs, you know, both, you know, all of his legs are, are, are you know, filleting. He's trying to, trying to um, get up, cannot get up. And he's whimpering and whining. I thought, man, it's, yeah, that, I, I, I get that. I can relate to that one. Luke 15, verse 4. Here's what Jesus is describing to us. Not necessarily cast sheep, but the joy of finding that one sheep. What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Now, when you think about that for a moment, Think about the, think about what that means personally. 
That means that if I am in trouble and you are not, Jesus will leave you together and come help me out. I'm so excited about that. Right? And you know, the trouble that we speak of, that valley, usually in most times, in most cases, the sheep that are hurting, now I'm talking about humans, to the two-legged sheep, the sheep that are hurting usually don't say anything. They just hurt. Think about that. They just hurt. And hurt. And hurt. And sometimes you'll, you know, we'll see those sheep. Some of them are very, some sheep are very loud about their hurting. Some sheep, um, we, we used to have, uh, she wasn't a, this is a person who worked for me, but she was very loud about her pain. If you ever asked her, if you said, her, her name was, I guess I could say her name, she'd never be on, her name's Ellen. We'd say, how are you today? She'd tell you. <laughs> and so, so then you had to, you know, it's time of work and, and she comes in and, and you see her, now you've got to make your mind up because you know if you, if you ask her how she's doing, it's going to take a little while. So, so what do you think, uh, some of the employees that I had would do? They'd avoid her. Right? That's the easy way out. Don't ask her how she's doing. Just, just, just tell her something, but don't ask her because we don't want to know. I wonder how many of us do that in the church. Think about that. You know. Okay. And then they're the quiet sheep. All kinds of sheep. There are all kinds of sheep in the Lord's church that, that, uh, are, are miserable. That was that internal battle you talked about. They're not going to, it's just in misery. Some, some members, you ever, you ever, you ever come into the, maybe not the building, but saw one of the members and you, and you, you know, you can look at people and tell and give, and, and you ask them a question and they just break down crying. That's hurt sheep. You ever wonder, man, how come I never knew you were? Why didn't I? And, and that's where, now we come to the shepherds, that's where the elders and the, and the church, that's where you gotta know your sheep. And all of us are sheep. And elders are sheep too. That's important. They're sheep leading sheep. Right? So I say this, I've always said this to the elders. All of us are sheep leading sheep. And we need help. If the sheep are gonna lead the sheep, we all need help. And the help comes from the good shepherd. So, we're all supposed to lead each other to the good shepherd. Right? Because that's where we're gonna get our help. And so, think about life. And Jesus says, I'm gonna leave the 99 healthy sheep. Because they're alright. And I'm gonna go get that one. And so when you're praying at night, and you're asking God to help you out of your valley, 
He'll leave the 99 to get you out of there. But you have to believe that. You've got to trust that. And David says, I can tell you all about it. I can remember being in the hilltops of Kaliah. And I remember asking God, God, now I just delivered these people. So now I'm going to assume, this is me kind of just speaking, that David would think, they're not going to turn me over to Saul. I just, I just delivered them. I just, I just saved them. I just rescued them by the power of your hand. And God says, no, David, you have to run. They're going to turn you over. What? How could they? And then David says in the psalm, I could take it if it were my enemy, but my own brothers. David says, I've been in that valley. God says, all of us have been in the valley or are going to be in the valley. But if you have faith, I will be in the valley with you. Isn't that great? You know, when Israel, when they were wandering for 40 years in the wilderness, in the desert rather, who were they with? God. God was with them, right? The pillar of the cloud. Pillar of fire. He was with them. He, he carried them out there for a reason. When they had to cross the Red Sea, he was with them. Carrying them across. As David was hiding in a hole or running from Absalom, running from Saul, who was with him? Who was picking up his feet? God was with him. God is with us. So the troubles that you face, like during this pandemic, the things that we hear, all the things going on in the world today, you're God's child. He's with you, right? And you have to trust that. And you have to, to love that. And think about it in the light of the Scripture. That I'll, I'll leave the 99 healthy sheep to come and get you, the one. And sometimes, I think Jenny brought it up, I'm digging my own hole. I'm over here because I messed up. And God says, I know that. But I'm here to bring you back. In verse 5 it says, And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. I would have thought it would say something like, When he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, and then he starts talking to it on the way home. Saying, you know, you're such a burden to me. You know, I mean, I had to find, I walked two miles to find you, and now you're sitting there lying on your, on your back, and you can't get up. I gotta carry you back two miles. That's a four mile trip. You are such a burden to me. But that's not what the Good Shepherd does. The Good Shepherd rejoices that it found you two miles away. And rejoices with every step as he carries you home. That's, that's our God. That's our, that's our Jesus. And then the next verse says, and when he comes home, he starts bragging. Right? When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, It's been four long miles, and I finally found this sheep. And no, it's not. 
He comes, he finds them, he says to his friends, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. So excited, right? And he rejoices. Think about the anguish of the good shepherd who had to carry you the long way. And how many times have you um, found yourself doing the same thing and saying, man, I gotta grow, I can't do this anymore. I gotta grow past this, beyond this. But you find yourself doing it again and you, you keep coming back to God. And every time you come back to God, what does he do? He rejoices. Cause I lost my one sheep. But I got him back. And so, the reason that God tells these parables to us and teaches us in this way is so that we can understand life from God's vantage point. As God looks down and walks with us and lives with us and helps us. God is amazing. And that's something that God wants us to see. To be able to to step outside of self, to step away from, from, you know, everything that exists in our world, and to walk in the Spirit as He is in the Spirit. And bring this amazing amount of joy over you because of the happiness that you find and the celebration that you find in Jesus. And it doesn't end with Jesus. It says in verse uh, verse 7, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So picture Jesus holding us up, right? rubbing our tired limbs, Freeing our minds, clearing our thoughts, talking to us with a gentle voice like Elijah on the mountain in 1 Kings 19. And then asking us the question, what are you doing here? How can I help? That's our Lord. I hope and pray that tonight something was said to encourage you to increase your prayer life. Um... Stay strong in your faith. Give God a chance to work in your life. Know that He's with you. Know that when you hurt, He hurts. When you're in sorrow, He's in sorrow. But He's there to lift you up. Know that as John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. He didn't have to weep. He already knew what He was going to do. But that's the way He feels about His people. When you hurt, He hurts. Thank God that He's an active God. He does something about it for our good. So the lesson is yours tonight. Thank you again for your time. Tonight, if you are uh, struggling in your faith and we can help you in any way, uh, certainly the invitation is open to you. Uh, if uh, tonight you would like to surrender to God in the waters of baptism, the invitation is open to you for that as well. Uh, we thank God for salvation. We'll have a Devo in just a moment and uh, a song uh, or two. And one will be a song of imitation. God bless you and thank you for your time.